Welcome. You're listening to Nudity, a podcast where we get naked with our feelings while drinking tea. I'm Kimberly, and usually I have my co-host, Wendy, but we're separated right now because of quarantine, and I'm back with my parents, but I thought this would be a great time to then get another little interview with my mother on a different subject. If you have listened to it, you'll remember her from the sex talk education episode way back in the beginning probably over a year ago, hasn't it been? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So we don't have any tea today because it is noon and my mother's never been a big tea drinker and we just don't feel like tea. So Wendy might chastise me for that later, but it is what it is. Do you want your name? I can't remember if we said your name last time. If people know you, they'll know you, but... Oh, I don't know if we did last time. I'm Linda. Okay. Today, we are going to be talking about menopause, which I'm super excited about because I can't say that I just talked about much, and I don't know if that's different for you. I kind of want to get the background on maybe how much you heard it, what you knew before you had it, your experience, and all that stuff. I do have questions we'll go through. Uh, just to start out, since starting your menopause, have you done any research about it yourself to figure out more things, or did you just kind of go through it as it was happening? I didn't research it. Just kind of going through it, I would have heard from friends that would have already been experiencing some signs of menopause. Yeah, I really didn't research it. Maybe should have, but didn't. When you were talking with your friends, was it a topic that you guys kind of avoided? Or was it just something that you guys brought up kind of casually and naturally? It would come up if one of them would be particularly having hot flashes. (laughs) I think that probably is often what causes it to be discussed. And so, yes, she would... Oh dear, having hot flashes, and so that would uh, be a, a small discussion mm-hmm. at that point, but nothing too lengthy. Okay. How do you define menopause? Like, what do you think the definition of menopause is? I guess I would have defined it as that stage when a woman has finished her reproductive years and is now post-reproductive years, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, that I think is one way to look at it. I think a lot of people look at it as a kind of that timeline where women are no longer reproductive and that's definitely a definition. I looked for other definitions and the other one that I found was the start of menopause is defined as when a woman has not had a menstrual period for one year, which is the same thing, but it's choosing to look at it not just women are, we're here for reproductive reasons. True. I think we do define ourselves a lot by that. So I think it's interesting. And and that would have been how my doctor would have defined Mm -hmm. it as you uh, did there, Kim. Mm -hmm. As we were going through some of the the aspects of my menopause, premenopause, that that would have been what he said was the definer. Yeah. I understand why people also define it as the, because we're very tied with our biological clock. Right. A little bit on when can we have babies and all that stuff. But I think it's kind of good to step back and be like, some people don't choose to have children at all. And so they're never thinking about that. But I'm not going to get too much into that. When do you think on average menopause occurs? What age? I would have typically thought, could it be something women 50 years and, and older would yeah. experience? About a broad range, I think, of, uh, of ages. Mm-hmm. The uh, age that they say median age is 51, and then, but it is anywhere from your 40s to your late 50s, for sure. And would that be the onset of menopause? No, we're just about to get to that. Okay. So yeah, people kind of think menopause is this instant... Like, one day you're just having hot flashes and you don't have your period anymore. But there is this stage called perimenopause that is actually the start 
of mm -hmm. that kind of menopause like transition so your period will become a little less regular you're probably gonna actually be experiencing those hot flashes and people think like oh i'm having my i'm in men I, i'm having menopause right now but that is your perimenopause you're only defined as having menopause once you've had at least 12 months without a period right. and that can start as early as 30 to 40 years mm -hmm. so you could be experiencing it right. like 32 you just, because there is early onset menopause for sure. And I think that's what my mom would have experienced. Of course, my mom has been dead many years. She died when she was 50, so I wouldn't have had her to talk to as I approached mm -hmm. that time. But I do remember her in her mid-30s, I would think, saying that she was taking hormone supplements because she was starting into menopause a bit early. And mm -hmm. um, I didn't hear her talk at that point about any anything else than just that she didn't talk about the symptoms she was feeling or anything do you think that's a generational thing where it's even less talked about and women are really good at hiding i think their pain and their struggle right. a lot from i'm not sure why mom would have even brought that up i'm not sure the setting of that discussion how that would have happened but if they if people had listened to our previous uh, uh podcast they would have known that menstruation was not something that my mom's generation mm -hmm. talked about. So that I, I, I wouldn't think that mom would have probably been too quick to talk about it. And I think, and maybe you think as well, I think menopause is even less talked about than menstruation yeah. in your period. I think you're only talking about menopause because you're having a lack of a period and that's what you would be talking about right. before. Okay. Yes. Do you think this was maybe your mom's way of kind of talking to you about it without actually talking to you about it or you think it was just one of those slip-ups where she's like oh, i'm having a hot flash or i'm going through menopause or i'm taking these hormones or maybe you ask like what are you taking and maybe i didn't you know what i cannot recall yeah. at all what that was about and why that was talked about that's okay i'm just i'm wondering if like past generations it's like well we're not really like told to talk about it but maybe they're trying to warn yeah upcoming like maybe. women and about it in their own was. way yeah but it's interesting. Perimenopause happens anytime between your 30s or your 40s, and it's the decline of your levels of estrogen and progesterone, and that's why your periods become a little bit irregular, and they can continue to become irregular until your menstruation just ceases entirely. And perimenopause can last up to an average of 48 year, four to eight years, not 48 years. Whoa. Um, and there's other things that can get menopause going a lot quicker. And that's obviously if your ovaries are removed, that you're, that's yes. the time where you're, Bam. you're starting it's, menopause yeah. right away. Cause once right. you, if you take away the ovaries, which are producing the levels of estrogen and progesterone, you're obviously going mm -hmm. to go into right. yeah. menopause. We are actually producing estrogen and progesterone and other air, like from other areas of our body. So we don't solely need those because mm -hmm. men are also producing those, but right. on smaller levels. Mm -hmm. No idea what that. menopause is? Okay. And I, would, I wouldn't have tried to wonder, why do men have levels? Because where does their low levels come from? Because yeah. they obviously don't have ovaries. Yeah. I think I read it's the adrenal gland, but I could be wrong. Oh, yeah. But it's just a different, right. there's another, a different gland. There's another right? gland that does that. Well, there we are. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't given thought to that to ask the question. Because it's when we're growing in the uterus, mm -hmm. we're all women, I think, at one point. That's and then just true. something gets switched right. off. So they are still when producing estrogen. Happen? It's just yeah. smaller right. amounts. So 
Yes. Other ways that we can get menopause earlier is chemotherapy or health conditions can lead to an early onset mm. menopause. Not always, but it right. can for sure. When do you remember first hearing and learning about menopause? If you can. Wow. Perhaps that my mom did say, I would have started questioning, wow, that seems early or because I obviously had heard the word and what that meant. And so that would have been, but I didn't explore it more. I didn't have the advantage of the internet to go searching mm -hmm, no, the way. For sure. <laughs> and, but didn't more, so left it at that, I guess. What age do you think that was? I think she could have been like her mid-30s because I was thinking, wow, mom. But what age, so what would, age would that have made you? Oh, for hearing about I, so if she was 35, I would have been 13, is that right? 12, 12, 12. And that must have been an interesting thing where you're probably just learning about your period and you're also learning like, oh, this mm -hmm. ends. Right, But yes. there's been no discussion about that ever ending. So you've just gotten this thing and you're like, yeah. oh, so this is forever? It's not, but nobody explains it to you. Right. And you didn't feel like, oh, maybe I should go looking for books. Like, it's no. probably not taught in your health classes? No, the menopause aspect wasn't. Uh, I mean, I do remember the uh, bit of the menstruation and that, that beginning and that ha happening, mm -hmm. that talk happening in a health class when I was in grade eight, I believe. Do you think it would be helpful if it was taught in health class? Sure. That would, would probably be good to yeah. have that information. Do you think that's like comes with grade nine health class where everyone has to take grade nine health? That might be a good spot, yes, because then everyone's getting it. And how much do you think they should go kind of delve into? Well, I think maybe just enough to inform a gal of the elements that would be helpful for her to know about it, right? Obviously, not be able to go into a lot of detail at that point, I wouldn't think. It's so far removed from them at that point to spend much time. But, uh, yeah, would, I think it would be helpful. Certainly wasn't anything that was mm -hmm. talked about in when I was in grade nine, <laughs> but it, uh, it's one of those things that uh, always more education about what's gonna happen to your body would be uh, important. That's good, yes. Do you think they should, while well, talking about the symptoms and maybe what's going to happen and expect that, do you think they should maybe bring a more positive light to menopause? I think that would be helpful mm. because the, the little bit that I would have been exposed to in and hearing other people chat or whatever references to, it was like, yeah, you're gonna grow whiskers now, just like a man, you know, you're, just gonna, you're gonna be, yeah, your femininity will be done. Mm -hmm. And it's an after, an after phase of life. You've done your living. <laughs> I think that's also tied in with how people view what femininity truly means, right? right. If you're thinking like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna wear whiskers, I'm not yeah. producing estrogen anymore. I can't have children. Yeah. So to look at it, not like necessarily an end. Do you remember, so that first point where you're, you kind of learn about it when you're 13, 12, from then on until you actually got it, how often do you think you would end up talking about it besides the times with your friends or you would think about it even? I remember one time my husband was mentioning about a family, their son is uh, married to his sister, and how he was born quite late in life, in his mom's life, 
And there was that discussion at that point. She had had kind of like three sets of two children because she had had two fairly early on in their marriage and then two 15 years later and then thought she was totally menopausal. And like she was like 52, I believe, when this gentleman was born and he even had a younger brother that then she she did them in two so they'd have a playing companion, I guess. <laughs> so I, I remember thinking and the discussion was, whoa, that she, you know, remained reproductive for quite quite a while. So her menopausal period mm-hmm. must have started a bit later for sure. Yeah. Or, and she was probably thinking if she was having irregular periods, she's probably thinking, Oh, what are the chances I'm going to get pregnant? Right, or people right. think once you're in that stage of yeah. menopause, even if you haven't had it for eight months, they're still like, you should be using contraceptives. Yeah. It has to be at least a year before you can right. be like, I'm in menopause. Other than that, no, nothing too in-depth at all. Maybe you weren't a big TV watcher when you were young, as much as like me <laughs> is now. Did you remember it seeing it portrayed in movies or TV shows? And how was it portrayed? Was it portrayed in a comedic fashion? Was it like... The horrors of menopause. Oh, I don't think I remember any any program that would have been referring to that. I mean, I was a big Doris Day mm-hmm. movie. It did, I don't think she uh, she showed anything of that. <laughs> she didn't get to that point. I don't think. In Do you think you watch rewatch some of her movies? You want to see if like her yes. characters are. But she did usually play like younger, yes, like did. late twenties. 30-year-old. Yeah. So. No, she did do something. Had a TV series run later in life, but uh, no, I still don't think she was menopausal. I think she had a couple children in that. So, yeah. Doris Day, Lawrence Welk show. <laughs> Maybe. Interesting. Because I, yeah. I remember, I think the first thing that really sticks out in my mind about a character portraying, like, having menopause was, Eric and I watched it quite a bit, that 70s show. Right. Yeah. And Kitty Foreman, the mother, in the fifth season, She's experiencing it, and it's done in a very comedic fashion, which I don't think is a bad thing because mm-hmm. you want to bring light to yeah. menopause because I think it's very much seen as, like, the end of yeah. femininity and really being a true woman. And with this, it they played a little bit into that because it's still the 70s, and they're playing into the humor of her, like, obviously dealing with her irritability and the hot flashes she's getting and having yeah. to come to terms that she's not having another kid because... Leading up to it, she thought she was pregnant because she was late. Yes. But then she's like, it turns out I was just menopausal. Right. Yeah. And I think it's fun to bring a light humor to it, but I also think there needs to be probably different narratives connected with how we talk about menopause and how we view it. And it's actually, I'll get into it more. Right. When you can like let go of the idea that we as women are here to just churn out babies Mm -hmm. kind of deal. You know, as you say that, I'm remembering that two good friends of mine went to see a play at the Sterling Theater 20 years ago, maybe. And it was, I believe, based on the stories of ladies that were in the same Red Hat Society. Mm-hmm. And they were dealing with these middle life issues and just hilariously, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember enjoying it very much, as to tell you at this moment whether they particularly talked about menopause, but it was. I'm sure it must have been in there 
I just don't particularly Probably remember. right. Yeah. Was that Calendar Girls or is that a different? That was different. I did. Okay. Yeah, that was I different. Because I think in Calendar Girls, oh, I read somewhere they? they deal with. But that's just like when you're doing a relatively like a dramatic comedy or a comedy surrounding older women. That's going to come up. I think it's going yeah. to come up and it almost has to because yeah. that's something that older women deal right. with. Yes. It's not what defines them, but. Yeah. It does come up. Yeah, well, we did, these same two friends, we did go to see the uh, Calendar Girl ones at Mm -hmm. the Empire Theater in Belleville and really, really loved it, too. Do you think you felt prepared for menopause when it happened? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it didn't catch me really young, and in that way, I'm prepared. When did you get it? Um, Officially, the year of no menstrual periods happened when I was 55, so. so I would say between... 50 and 55. Is when you were feeling... I was, some things, things were symptoms? changing. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, it, it didn't catch me by surprise in that it came early in life for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I did run into uh, a little something along the way, but I knew I might because of my other friend. I can't remember whether it was like two years, so maybe when I was 53, I started not just irregular periods, but menstruating super super heavily in that I would be soaking my pads in bed you know and then soaking Mm -hmm. the sheet so I was uh, definitely concerned but not as concerned as I would be had my my dear friend not already told me that she had I knew when she had been experiencing this she was mentioning that what she had gone through and it and it just meant some medication to kind of help uh stop that so the the hemorrhaging I remember you going through this I do and you're just like it's like I'm hemorrhaging and you're kind of worried and it it stopped for a bit and then it happened again right and so I did end up having my doctor was great my family doctor and so he uh he scheduled me for uh, an outpatient clinic where I did have he took about he said about six to eight uh samples by scraping Mm -hmm. the lining of the uterus and sent them away for histology just to be sure that it wasn't something that it wasn't because it could disguise because it, it, it could yeah. be cancer and so. with your family history right when he scheduled me for that then it became a little more oh this could be something other than just menopausal right outside of that i had just thought this is just kind of premenopausal stuff you know it's probably just a sign of that because my friend had gone through it so but that ended up they ended up to be no no cancerous tissue there discovered so Mm -hmm. it was basically he put me on a medication can't exactly remember to tell you now which one it was but to take that would stop some of that hemorrhaging so I was and it did help yeah that's good and I think that's a good testament to why women should talk about their experiences with Mm -hmm. menopause because I think that really eased your mind knowing that okay this isn't completely abnormal I do think it's good that you went to a doctor just to be sure on those things Mm -hmm. there are specialists for hmm, women yes. who deal with menopause? Were, would right. you prefer it if your doctor had referred you to someone who specialized in that at all? Because my friend, her doctor had, you know, taken care of her need with some medication that worked for her. I guess I uh, I didn't even think about going to a specialist. He didn't mention it. He would have been good to send me to a specialist if, uh, if I'd have asked or if he really thought so. I felt pr- pretty comfortable just having him look after it at that mm-hmm. point. Besides like the physical experience of menopause, do you feel like you were emotionally ready? What kind of emotions did you have surrounding like realizing like, oh, I'm menopausal? 
I'm not sure. I think it's a mixture of emotions. Of course, it's delightful to think that you're not going to have to deal with your monthly woes. <laughs> um, that part. But there's another part of it that's, for me at least, was a little bit sad because it is the end of a time in your life. And you're now kind of stepping into your later season of your life mm -hmm. where uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a reminder that uh, you're not young in, anymore. Time's going on. Time's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I loved having my babies. And even though definitely at age 55, I probably wouldn't Didn't want, want to be having a, a child. But there's still that just a bit of mourning. Oh, it was such a blessing to have had that that ability to have my own children and uh, oh that's over mm -hmm. um, kind of a just it's a good moment to to recall not that it's downhill from here mm -hmm. not that kind of attitude but there will be there is a bit of reckoning that your body's aging in many ways not just your yeah. uterus and your ovaries and so yeah this is just one of those things yeah so there are many different symptoms menopausal women or perimenopausal women can experience. I'm just going to go through the list and I just want you to tell me which ones you did. And if I get to the end of the list and there's some that I didn't cover, you just let me know which ones or what you experienced during it. So hot flashes. Yeah. 75% of women have said to experience hot flashes. How often do you think you experienced it? Not as bad as some women I know. Depends. A couple times a day on a bad day kind of thing. During the summer more often, do you find? Yeah, I guess maybe you'll appreciate it more during the winter. <laughs> <laughs> Saves on heating costs, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, you can don't have to bundle up as warmly going out in the snow. <laughs> I know that like because sometimes if people are experiencing hot flashes, did your doctor tell you about any ways to maybe not bring that on because no. it's like avoid spicy food which you do not eat you also are I think decreasing your caffeine intake which has never been a thing you're supposed to did you change up uh the clothing you wore Cause I think it's like breathable linens I wouldn't necessarily have done that so yeah and just they say like avoid hot yeah, like yeah. temperatures or rooms and stuff like that yeah, yeah but you didn't end up having to change anything I don't think so if it had been worse you probably would you have gone in and been like, hey, can yeah. you? Help yeah, this? probably. Do you think that's what your mom was maybe going in for? Maybe, yeah. And yeah, we didn't really talk about what made her see the doctor about that, and uh, you know, could have been night sweats. Um, yes. Yeah, those are just Connected hot flashes to that this, happen hot at night. night. That's yeah. right. So definitely. Did yeah. you find you experienced more night sweats than like? Okay. Yes, more night sweats than day sweats. Do you think it's because dad just is a body heater and no, I <laughs> just think emanated that, the heat onto I you? I think it just, so. I just think it's just I, my... You're like hot flash cycle? That was my cycle, I think. Yeah. I did want to point out that hot flashes on average last anywhere from six months to two years, but they can last up to ten years. Mm -hmm. You've Have you stopped experiencing hot flashes or do you still get them every once in a while? I will still get them every once in a while related to sleep. I will, uh, you know, the nighttime ones. During the day, no. But still, I'll think, oh, that's still getting out. night sweats? What? Because that would have been, you said like 55 is when you, so it's and been I'm like 62. six years? I'm se that's seven years Seven now. years, okay. So this could happen yeah. for longer, but as long as it's like a decreased oh, yeah. time. That's oh, for good. sure. Difficulty sleeping? No. 
No. No. Mm-hmm. Which some people claim because they're sweating right. and their mood changes and the anxiety that they mm-hmm. sometimes have surrounding menopause mm-hmm. has caused them to have right, right. terrible um, sleep. No, I had good sleeps, I'm sure. Did you experience from your knowledge sometimes as when we don't always catch when maybe we're becoming more irritable or having these kind of swings of moods? Do you remember like it happening? A lot? I don't. And so I'm probably asked my, my family, <laughs> I guess. I don't recall necessarily. I'm trying to think back. I don't remember anything. Out of the, it didn't feel like out of the norm. Right. Is spilt that... milk was still spilt milk, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you experience anxiety surrounding menopause? You're just the... like, this is it. Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly. Yep. Vaginal dryness. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find that's been decreasing like since late thirties or do you think it really, I think it was more hooked to uh, premenopausal starting more so then and definitely now menopausal. Yeah. Yeah. Reduced libido. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do. Do you think that goes in combination with the vaginal dryness and how probably it makes sex uncomfortable? Um, I think possibly, quite possibly. Yeah. And it's just, do you like just not in the mood as much anymore? Get like, and I think also reduced yeah. libido sometimes comes with just aging a little bit. Yeah, You're like I'm right. a little older, I'm mean, tired. Like, yeah, that yeah. Kind of thing. I think so. I think both that uh, with aging, the libido was probably just kind of waning a bit. But yeah, if you're thinking, yeah, this could, yeah, it's probably going to be a little bit painful or uncomfortable, then kind of the anticipation. Like, so you don't get in the mood for <laughs> yeah. it. Cause you're like it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Have you purchased lubricant? In yes. response to that, okay. Yes. Yeah, we have. Okay. Good. <laughs> and you find you just have to use that every time, and or not you... always. Okay. Yeah. If I'm a little more ready. Yeah. For it, uh, then I, I'm, I'm not as dry. Don't be afraid to just throw on that lubricant if it's uncomfortable. Throw on more. That's right. all I'm saying. Okay. Cool. I think because it's messy and miserable that yeah. you tend not to, right? True, true. And it's like, it's probably lubricant okay. is not just for women in menopause. It's literally yeah. anyone who, <laughs> like, right. it's yeah. it's good for women of all ages. Arthralgia, which is an aching or pain in the joints without swelling. So it's very close to arthritis, but there's no inflammation involved. I would say that's more likely part of my genetics <laughs> because it was... It's been there for most of my life, <laughs> most of my adult life. Just there's certain joints that are just my pelvic joints, my low back area, like, oh, yeah, my, my neck. Yeah, I'm just, I'm a bit of a, a mess when it comes to the, <laughs> those joints and my skeleton. Something I, I know to look forward to. I always have. Can't so wait. I would, uh, I wouldn't have said that that was more so. I don't think I, you didn't, it, like, it's not register connected. Like a big I don't think so. Okay. Do you ever get crawling or itching sensations under your skin? No. Memory or concentration issues? Um, quite possibly. <laughs> and then I'm also going to ask, because I have a point between the two, these weight gain. I think once I hit 35, I started my, I felt my metabolism changing so that weight gain became more possible. Mm-hmm. Never been somebody that it's been a huge problem for. But so I wouldn't connect it necessarily with uh, mm-hmm. being more so. It doesn't keep me from eating my bowls of cereal. Or I mean my bowls of cereal, yes, but my bowls of ice, ice cream. cream. <laughs> and the memory concentration issues. I think so. Because <laughs> there is talk about during the time of perimenopause and 
your menopausal time, you your memory is just not what it is. And it actually shows once you put distance and time between when you like first were identified as being menopausal, yeah. your memory kind of and concentration comes back a bit. Oh, wow. You haven't found that though yet? Whoa. Too bad I hadn't been kind of looking for that if mm-hmm. I'd have known, eh? And I want to say like it's hard with some of these symptoms because they are a definition of aging. The yes, weight gain every decade, I think yeah. it's a rule of thumb for nutrition. Your metabolism slows and it's that much harder to like yep. work out and burn the calories and stuff like that. So, and with memory and concentration, obviously we're getting older. Mm-hmm. Things are harder to recall, mm-hmm. but I think they're able to identify these as symptoms around mm-hmm. menopause because it's a stark difference. Mm-hmm. How do you think menopause differs in women of color? I would not have thought necessarily it did, but obviously it does. Yeah, just just a guess. You could say um, black women. Do you think I, they experience, at what age do you think they experience menopause? Oh, at what age? Um, I'll say younger. About two years younger. So it's black women and Latina women okay. reach menopause at, oh, it's like 50, 49 average years of age. Yeah. So I would be interested to know when those gals um, begin to menstruate. Is it also earlier so that they're... they're Reproductive years are about the same, just a bit of a, sh- a shift. Possibly. I'll give you a reason a little bit later. I'm going to go through a few more, like, how it differs. Okay. But the black women spend more time in menopause transition than white women do, mm. on average. More black and Latina women report experiencing hot flashes and night sweats than white women do, and often experience them for a longer duration. White women, on average, 6.5 years. You're above the average there, Mom. Uh, Latinas... years, black women 10 years, that's their average. And indigenous women may experience the worst perimenopausal hot flashes of all. And that's research out of University of Washington. I didn't go looking for that article, but that's what this other article said. And then Latina women experience more vaginal dryness than other women. Hmm. So I then went in this article and I went digging a little bit. What were the reasons for this? And one of the articles says allostatic load, which refers to the wear and tear on the body that comes from accumulation of chronic stress, i.e. so like women of color trying to cope in a society where systematic racism is prevalent. So black women at all socioeconomic levels at the highest allostatic load scores compared with other people of the same age were like they were experiencing the highest. So out of, mm. And it didn't matter if that woman was of a wealthy family or a poor one. It was just higher than any other mm-hmm. women in that study. So, and then there's also, with regards to that, at least one study suggested that psychosocial stress was predictive of an even earlier median age of menopause in African Americans. Although allostatic load is certainly not the only factor in when women reach menopause or how long the transition period lasts, it is just one of the mm. kind of identifiers they've maybe been able to tag to it because menopause is a sign of obviously an aging body and i think if you're having mm-hmm. to wear stress. stress and the wear and tear on your body could correlate with a higher or an earlier right. age because something i have heard as we talk about this came to mind that when that baby girl is born she already has x number of uh, ovums in mm-hmm. her ovaries that will predict how long 
her reproductive years will be, how many cycles she will have, how many eggs she will be able to, to drop. And so I would have thought that was more the determining factor. And maybe it still is to a degree, mm -hmm. but you throw in these other things and mm -hmm. then that changes. I think when you experience perimenopause and menopause, yes, there's a lot of factors. I think it's more environmental than genetic. I'm going to say several factors that have reported to affect the timing of menopause have included educational level, occupation, marital status, age at first menstruation, mm -hmm. so you definitely touched upon that, oral contraceptive use, and smoking okay. have all been kind of indicative of when you're going to have your menopause. Mm -hmm. And then a few studies did suggest that physical activity and diet influence the age at which natural menopause occurs, and then genetics obviously have a role in when you experience menopause. I guess I have heard, uh, which goes along with it, um, if uh, I've heard of a woman that would have gone through a, a trauma in her life and that she would, seemed relatively young and, uh, and they said they, she immediately started menopause. That was, that was it for her. Mm -hmm. So I guess, yes, it certainly can be affected by stress and, mm -hmm. and grief and because if we're saying that chemotherapy mm -hmm. can have early onset because it's killing some of our cells, mm -hmm. and so therefore they could instigate menopause earlier. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's just, I thought it was interesting. I always have the white woman perspective, but to remember that mm -hmm. how yeah. does it affect other people? And I want to say that was actually a study from the U.S., it was called the study of women's health across the nation. It's called SWAN. And it's been happening, I think, since 19, anywhere from like 1994, I think it started. And it's just been a quantitative, like mm -hmm. getting women's information and like feedback on like how they've experienced not only menopause, they look at other things. But yes, those were women in the U.S., so Western culture. Do you want to hear about differences in women in other countries? Sure. Do Asians, I'm going to guess here. Do we, we, Asians... start, we can start with... Uh, do they um, uh, experience menopause later in life? I actually don't have, I don't have information on that. Do you want, what do you think their most common reported symptom of menopause is? In Asia? In Japan, Hong Kong, in East Asia, yeah. Most common symptom. So I guess it's not the sweats, eh? Or the hot flashes. It's they actually don't have say hot one? flashes are very rare. Hmm. How about joint pain, crawly skin, something like that? Joint pain, yeah, is one of them. So Japanese women during menopause, they experience shoulder stiffness. Okay. And then women in Hong Kong, researchers found that joint and muscle problems were the most common symptoms. And all these studies, women reported symptoms as mild. Some people have chalked that up to how much soy product. Oh. And so soy has a lot of estrogen and so the idea is maybe their symptoms are less because they're still exposing themselves yeah. to a lot of estrogen i'm not right. really sure how that makes sense how much sway that has over your yeah. symptoms but well, their diets are different than ours and in that manner that could be one of the be. reasons there was also the most common problem in asia so asia is a very large continent where we're insomnia and irritability so 51 okay. percent of people so, reported okay. that. So, and then among Asian women in the perimenopausal period, there is less interest in sex and 
withdrawn satisfaction from sex. Women experience discomfort during intercourse, sometimes pain, which has negative impact according to respondents on the relationship with their partner, quality of life, and reduction of femininity. Most Asian women do not discuss their problems of a biological nature with their partners, and only 12% of women share their experiences with other women. Asian women living in the United States assess the menopausal period less positively than their fellow citizens remaining in Asia. Mm. So I think that's also another thing that I've mm-hmm. come across is in Western society, we dread menopause and we have very negative feelings towards menopause. And mm-hmm. that right. actually maybe feeds into our symptoms in a way if it's psychosomatic Mm-hmm. and you're you hate it so much and you're like dreading the hot flashes is thinking about the mm-hmm. hot flashes bringing on the hot flashes what is it what is kind of right. sparking that and why do we hate it so much when all the way across the other side of the world symptoms mm-hmm. are maybe a little more mild they do experience symptoms right. in a different manner there was also they looked at women in africa how do you think african countries more t- most typically view the menopausal era of their life um positively i'm guessing yes now african countries are highly diverse in terms of customs and cultural beliefs but in some countries women after menopause often strengthen their position in society and then begin to be treated on equal footing Hmm. with with men and then in other countries in africa it's believed that post-menopausal menstrual bleeding is a negative sign of of being haunted resulting in delayed medical treatment, symptoms of menopause in African women are not different from those typical of other women. Is that like kind of what you expected or well, maybe I you had no guessing. expectations? I, did, yeah. I was just guessing. And then I'll quickly finish up with women in India from a study found most complained of no symptoms during menopause other than wow. menstrual changes. Good for them. And then in many cultures, menopause is a time of new respect and freedom for women. Yeah. And then mine, women, although experience, experiencing some uncomfortable symptoms, looks forward to menopause as it provided newfound freedom and status. Yeah, yeah. I, I really would uh, agree that the North American thought would might be that it isn't necessarily a glorious time. It is more of a, oh, here I am time, you know. Whereas, um, you know, to have the, uh, the attitude of some women in other parts of the world, hey, this is my coming of, of time now. Mm-hmm. I think also because in Western society, actually, we have beauty standards in all countries and cultures. But because we have this obsession with, like, staying young. Right. Oh, yeah. That's part with, of it, isn't it? With menopause kind of comes that, mm-hmm. yeah, that reminder. You talked about it earlier of, oh, I'm getting older. Yeah. I'm in, like my like second to last stage of life or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. and so we maybe don't talk about it because we want to choose to hide that so that we can kind of remain desirable in Mm. a way but I think some women look at it when you look at it in a positive light this idea that we don't have to be desirable like who are we being desirable for Mm -hmm. and now I don't have to I, I I don't know do you did you ever I know you the emotional side you talked about like you know you loved having your six kids and you love that moment and to think like that's one of my stages that's over with but mm. was there at all this sense of maybe a little bit of freedom or that didn't really I don't think that did 
come into play much. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, your life hasn't drastically changed since menopause, so you were pretty happy probably with your life before. But right, yeah. Yeah. I, I was. Yeah. Felt very fulfilled. Okay. I just wanted to close out with some fun menopause history facts. Okay. So you were talking about how, you know, the women, they're going to lose their femininity, they're going to grow whiskers. So this is way back, like, in the 1700s, earlier. Classical medicine actually defined women as deformed males. Just women in general. This isn't... And so, who came closer to the male ideal after their menopause transformation. Wow. (laughs) But menopausal women were seen to have lost their femininity, beauty, fertility, and status, and they stood at the gateway of death when menopause happens. So you have two very, like, contrasting ideas there, where it's, oh, they're finally approaching the more male ideal, but we also don't really want to look at them anymore, yeah. and we don't desire them anymore. So they're yeah. basically at the gateway of death. They finally, you know, right. become as close to us as possible, but we don't want them around anymore. So, And we I wouldn't have wanted funny. them competing with us as a man, right? Because if the woman was more uh, had reached the ideal of, of a man, that might mean they would be competing for their position in society or something. Yeah. We didn't want Who that. Who knows what would have happened? Oh. Utter chaos. <laughs> The idea that menopause was a disease was first introduced in 1710, so all the way back then, and it was perceived as the worst of all calamities to beset a sex that seems destined to support the largest share of human misery. (laughs) I think that's a great way to define that. Um, We actually have, in this day and age, we have pretty realistic treatments for menopause and surrounding, all the symptoms surrounding that, but back in the 1700s, uh, they did leeches to the genitalia and cervix. Because you got to get that blood out somehow. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's like stems from, one, they put leeches on everything to cure everything back then. Like, they were like, wow, this bug is amazing. It'll take out yeah. all of your blood sickness. Yeah. But with this one, I think when women weren't having their period, because they didn't understand menopause, was they were trying to get the period to happen. Right, yes. And so leeches to your genitalia. Oh, wonderful. I'm extrapolating on this one treatment. Who knows if that was their thinking, but I could see that being their thinking because another treatment is encouraging vicarious menstruation via hemorrhoids, nosebleeds, phlebotomies. Yes. Cupping, sweating. So they tried to get women to sweat, which, you know, induces hot flashes. So they're really just (laughs) making it the symptoms worse. But it's the 1700s. They don't know any better, I guess. And then the only good treatment they had was bathing and just that, sitting in a bath and that would get them menstruating again is that no i think this would treat the hot flashes oh okay i can't imagine that would um no with menopause there's so many things to treat right oh so yeah. you have to i think with bathing it's nice because it's like you're probably having hot flash let me go run a bath you get a break yeah. from whatever and, your life nonsense is less stress if that's causing some trouble yes exactly and associated symptoms with menopause so they would say hysteria which if you know what hysteria and the plight that was on women in the medicine so basically uh, hysteria is a psychological disorder whose symptoms include conversion of psychological stress into physical symptoms selective amnesia shallow volatile emotions and overdramatic or attention-seeking behavior the term has a controversial history as it was formerly regarded as a disease specific to women hysteria is yeah. A definition for many things. 
but not oh, just women, but, but, it, but men were never hysterical. Just no, women. Never. Women, oh, yeah. So that was one of the symptoms they kind of grouped with you were going through menopause. Okay. And the nymphomania, which is uncontrollable or excessive sexual desire in a woman, which is almost the opposite mm-hmm. of what usually happens with right. menopause. So that's interesting that they would right. see this just shows how misunderstood menopause was. Um, alcoholism. And then kleptomania, the inc- uncontrollable urge to steal was associated with menopause. We moved to the 1800s, early 1900s. The treatments included mustard hip baths, although those are used now. It's just like bathing in like water that has like mustard something in it. Doesn't seem too bad. It like gets your, I think bikers use it or athletes because it like gets your like legs really, really hot. You want oh, that, I guess, to, okay. feel like, to kind of get this the circulation, going. circulation, and maybe the psychological idea that you're warm. Okay. So if bikers are biking in the cold, that gets their legs warmed and ready, basically. Foot baths, which seem nice. Um, frictions with stimulating ambrocations, which again is like the mustard baths in the sense that you apply it. Okay. Bikers use it all the time. You apply it to your legs, gets you warmed up for a race yeah that's the word um electric therapy again they treated women with electric therapy all the time back then opium was used to treat menopause um cold water directed to the abdomen drinking filtered juice of guinea pigs ovaries that apparently helped the symptoms you had vaginal plug and then ice in- injections on its removal arsenic because let's just kill let's the woman kill while we're at it um <laughs> They used to do thyroid gland extract, which oh actually extracting that because our thyroid obviously secretes a couple hormones that are super vital to like controlling our body. So with extracting that, you get weight gain, changes in your menstrual period, tiredness, feeling cold all the time or sensitivity to cold, constipation, dry skin, puffy face, hair loss or thinning hair, hoarse voice, memory problems, feeling depressed, joint muscle pain and or stiffness, muscle weakness, slow heart rate. Like, half of those are symptoms of menopause. Right. But for some reason, they were treating it by extracting it. Wow. Golf was a treatment. And then orgasm. I'm all for that one. You might as well just, like, <laughs> treat that with anything. But, yeah. So, those those are my those fun. Those the treatments. Yeah. Those are my fun wow. uh, menopause facts to close this out. I don't know what you think about those, but. Those were interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we live uh, when we do. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Nudity. If you want to read any of the studies I was talking about during this episode, I'll link them in the description of the episode. Thank you so much for coming and talking to me, my dear, dear mother. You're welcome, my dear daughter. Yeah, she was avoiding this for like a week. Not really on purpose. She's just a very busy woman. So she was a little scared of what I asked her, but I think afterwards she was like, it was you know good. what, it wasn't it was as fun. bad. I don't know what she thought I was going to ask her, honestly. <laughs> but no, it was... A fun chat. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot having to research for this episode. And so I have learned things, which is good. It's good. And maybe you want to do more research as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you'll talk to your friends more like openly about it right, and yep. your daughters and like right. talk to talk to your oldest, talk to like, I don't know. Yeah. Just talk You're about right. these things more. Like that little story that you talked to me afterwards, like didn't know that about you. Yeah. That's super interesting to okay. me. Like talk about these things. I'm, I'm good mm-hmm. with it. And it's just, yeah, it's good to hear other stories so that if it does happen to me or happens mm-hmm. to other people, it's more normalized. Right. You don't feel Because that's important. Because I think yeah. with women, there's a lot of mystery surrounding us. Mm-hmm. And 
if something's like a little bit weird like women have issue with like how does our vaginas look like what's normal Hmm. there is no normal but we don't know there's not a normal until like people say like this is what's up with my weird looking vulva like but it's not weird it's just what we Mm -hmm. kind of have been told is weird right so if you want to listen to other episodes you want to listen to the one with my mother before it's way back in the beginning probably like the fifth episode or something you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast you can also find us on youtube wendy does the editing for that at nudity podcast we're also on instagram if you want to follow us there thank you for listening bye